This is episode 143 of Alohomora for June 27, 2015. Hey everyone, I'm laughing because I realize what I get to say. This is, welcome to our last episode oh in the month of June. How does it always happen that I get to do this? Uh, I'm Caleb Graves. I'm Kristen Keys, And I'm Allison Sigurd. And today our guest is Shauna Evans. Welcome, Shauna. Tell us a little bit Hello. about yourself. Um, well, I am a Ravenclaw. Claw. Um, I'm like a million percent Ravenclaw and um, I'm 29. I'm a special education teacher. Um, I teach mostly middle school language arts, but when you teach special ed, you teach a whole bunch of other stuff too. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's me. Well, probably <laughs> for cool. that, special ed is certainly the most yeah. challenging. When I was mm-hmm. teaching and my friends who taught special ed, I was just always amazed at what they would have to to deal with not just students but administration so god bless you it's a tough job <laughs> yeah it's really? tons of fun i do love my job and um i love getting to talk with uh with kids about young adult fiction so obviously i don't think i'd be doing what i do if it wasn't for harry potter so are a lot of your kids into ya right now um not not my kids <laughs> uh not in the resource room but kids that I interact with in other locations they are and I'm I'm always excited to see what they're reading and try to pick up what they're reading as well Are there any like books that are like trending really big right now I feel like I have no idea like what would be popular <laughs> I'm trying those kids. Some of the kids were reading um like uh, what was it? the Maze Runner series this year uh, Okay mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So that was I read those too they were <laughs> I enjoyed them. <laughs> I, know, I enjoyed the first. It's convenient, but um, <laughs> there's there's nothing like Harry. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Speaking of reading, we want to make sure that everyone has uh, read chapter twenty five of Half Blood Prince this week. The seer overheard, as we will be discussing it on this episode. But before we go into chapter 25, let's recap the comments from last week, chapter 24. And this first comment comes from Dolphin Patronus, a.k.a. Esty. On the topic of Katie, it is possible her memory loss has more to do with the curse that was on the necklace than the Imperious curse. Barty Crouch Jr. used this curse on Harry, and while it didn't work out completely, he did seem to remember. Once Barty Jr. reveals himself... At the end of Goblet of Fire, he talks about being kept under forced house arrest by his father under the Imperious Curse, which he seems to remember. These things make me think Katie's memory loss isn't related to being under the Imperious Curse as much as it could be the curse that was on the necklace. Also, do you think it's possible they obliviated part of her memory in the hospital to reduce the possible traumatic memories she may have had? If they're oblivioning people's memories in the hospital, there's some serious ethic issues going on <laughs> in the wizarding world. Like, someone really so needs what, to step up made, that's what if not, What yeah. if it wasn't obliviating to, like, help her out? But what if, like, Voldemort has, like, a man or woman on the inside at St. Mungo's that Ooh. got to her and mm-hmm. took out her memory? That's that what I thought about when I started reading this. I think yeah, that would be more crazy. likely, like, if mm-hmm. they... If they were going to obliviate some of her memory, they would have had to know that she had traumatic memories in the first yeah. place. So someone would have known what happened. True. Yeah, it's a 
that's a good comparison to Barty crouching here. I really hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, I, I could see that being why she doesn't remember. I, I don't think that Imperious Curse is enough to make her forget everything. Well, though Barty Crouch Jr. does say that he remembers, but he also, it's, it's like being in a fog, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And he talks yeah. about how there are times he's more aware of what's going on around him than others. I think so. the more it was used on him, the more he was able to pick up on it and get out of the fog. Yeah. yeah. Right? Do you think it has to do with the strength of the witch or wizard performing the curse? I don't know because yeah. because well forget correct me if I'm wrong but it's Rosemary that puts the Imperius curse on her right we learn later yes mm-hmm. yeah and so I don't think and she's also under an Imperius curse so I feel like that dilutes it maybe a yeah. little bit mm-hmm. um, and also I don't think we have any reason to think Rosemary is an especially powerful wizard yeah. which rather <laughs> I can see that being a a part of it though you know like. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of a general magic thing overall is some people are more adept at different spells and than others and so their spells are stronger. Yeah. Our next comment comes from Diskid. And they say, I completely agree that Harry got off really easy here for this act and while he shouldn't have casted it at all, Thank goodness he did it while Snape was there and could counter curse it. Harry could have killed somebody and that would have been really hard for Dumbledore to sweep under the rug. I was worried that Malfoy's, that the Malfoys would try and have Harry arrested for this when I first read this book. I wonder though, who or what did Snape practice this spell on? He obviously intended it while he was at school. Did he practice this on an animal? I imagine if he did this to a student, there would have been a huge investigation as to what happened and what the curse was that caused it was he really planning to try this curse on james or Sirius? why didn't he was he too worried that lily would find out and grow to despise him even more i'd like to know no i'd like to know more about snape and not only why why he had enough rage to invent this spell in the first place but who or what he practiced it on and wanted to do with it yeah (laughs) so i totally buy he was Probably thinking of using it on James or Sirius. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can totally didn't. see that. Yeah, I guess it would depend, like, that's a hard timeline to remember, and I don't know if we know mm-hmm. enough. If he would have, well, I guess we really don't know enough. If if he invented it before or after, um, like, Lily started giving him the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if it was before, it totally makes sense. She would be the reason why he stopped. Um, I mean, I if guess it's, maybe even if, after too. If yeah. it's in this potions book, would can we assume that it was in, invented six. in the sixth year, which would have been mm-hmm. after the incident with Lily? Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. Like <laughs> practicing. Like, yeah. How did he practice it? Like, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, if he's practicing it on animals, it's like serial (laughs) serial killer Snape. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. But yeah, it is crazy to think about who he was practicing it on or what he was practicing it on. Yeah, I totally... I mean, it'd have to be animals, right? Because anyone else would show up with some random curse and... 
I would assume so. But could you use it on inanimate objects just to see, isn't like a sword-like, would it do that? Like like if you had a tree, it just shows a giant sword mark almost? You might, you might be able to do that, but then you wouldn't really know the extent of the damage on something living. Yeah. Maybe he did. But I mean, though. you could assume a yeah. sword would hurt somebody really bad. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like Snape anyway, so I could see him being a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really troublesome. But I am, like, the more yeah. I think about it, I'm really interested in, like, the motivation for why he brought he created in the first place. I mean, it could just be idle curiosity. Yeah. Like, but it's an interesting thought. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed this comment. All right, and our last comment comment comes from Griff, and they say Ginny has this Gryffindor fierceness, completely at odds with Hermione's Gryffindor righteousness, fighting fire with fire. It's an interesting match with Harry's more noble leanings and Super Weasley. I love the clan, but we do see the darker side of their charisma and loyalty. We see Fred and George give Dudley the tongue toffee because he's a prat. Ron, as Luna notes, um, says funny but not nice things. Even Mrs. Weasley fights to kill Bellatrix rather than to deliberate. I think it's something Harry likes in Ginny and a quality he likes in his adopted family, their fierce loyalty. Even if he can have a darker side at times, Harry never would have defended the use of that curse in the way Ginny did. The two of them strike a nice balance, with Harry more idealistic and Ginny more practical. I like this. I like how we see through these characters different sides of, um, of at least this house, you know? Like, there's different ways to be brave and Gryffindor. And I like that each of the characters has their own little own little part of it. And everybody has a dark side to them a little bit. Yeah. Not everybody is purely light. Yeah, and I think even like within the we I think obviously within the Weasley family it's more diverse too. They're not mm-hmm. certainly not all the same. Like Jenny's very different from Ron. Um but I think comparing Jenny to her mom is pretty pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Oh definitely. <laughs> At least in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, that's it for um, all the recap comments. I thoroughly enjoyed reading them all. And if you would like to discuss more, just head over onto our page at alohamore.mugglenet.com and write your thoughts from last week's episode. So we're going to move into some of your responses from last episode's question of the week. And really quickly, that question was... In this chapter, we know Snape uses legilimency to discover that Harry has been using the Half-Blood Prince's book. Once Snape discovers this information, what does he do with it? Does he tell Dumbledore? How does Snape having this information influence the rest of this book and his overall story arc? So I'm pretty confident I may have missed one, but I think everyone who commented agreed that Snape likely did not tell Dumbledore Um, That he probably, for the most part, most people thought he kept it to himself. What was interesting is the different motivations um, Snape would have had for doing this. So we start off with um, Wizard for what? Excuse me, Wizard or what? Who said, I can see Snape keeping this information to himself to avoid having to confront his past, i.e. his invention of Sectum Sempra. Also, as part of his general hairy demonizing agenda... I can also see him preferring for other staff to think that Harry invented or discovered the spell himself. So a short 
answer, but pretty to the point. Um, I guess that we don't really see the other staff really thinking of Harry like in this demonizing way. Obviously, McGonagall's super unhappy with him, but <laughs> thinking beyond him being like an idiot who attacked another student, it really doesn't progress beyond that. Harry demonizing agenda. <laughs> I love that <laughs> phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the question is, is, is that something Snape is really that focused on? Or does he have so much other going on, things going on? And this is just kind of something that comes uh, along with it. Because I feel like there's like a shift here, like the way when Snape like realizes what's going on and how. Yeah, I don't necessarily think he's like specifically trying to make Harry out as this demon child. But I he's definitely trying to make Harry pay for some of the things James did. He's definitely taking that out. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think by now, it's the sixth year, I think everyone knows that a lot of the staff really like Harry, and they would never... I don't (laughs) think Snape would think that any of them would believe that Harry would invent something like this and use it knowing what it did. Yeah. All right, well, the next response comes from Olivia Underwood, who had a really great and long response. Um, I've cut it down just... A little bit for time, but for the most part, the comment says, Snape didn't tell Dumbledore, I think, because this had to do with himself more than Harry in a weird way. And the real problem being not so much what Harry had done, which of course was terrible, but more the fact that the consequences or repercussions of his own actions, becoming a Death Eater, practicing dark magic, etc., were still being carried out after all these years. Seeing Harry using this spell, the very thing which destroyed his relationship with Lily, would have been really tough, I think. The blood is still on his hands, and the unforgivable choices he made just won't leave him alone. He's angry because Harry, unknowingly, witnessed the very thing which he and Lily despised about himself. So Harry sees not only Draco's vulnerable side, but Snape's too, in a weird way. The detention later, by which time Snape has composed himself and reasoned with himself, where Harry sees his father's wrongdoings in the records, is Snape trying to validate his actions, as if to say, well, what choice did I have? He wasn't exactly innocent, innocent either, was he? He was just as bad as I was, if not worse, and he deserved it. This being Snape referring to James. It's immature, but it's also him trying to cover his tracks because Harry saw too much, almost like seeing Snape's skeleton in the cupboard. Interesting. I really liked yeah, how they kind of said like that Snape wouldn't tell because it would kind of fall back on him, almost. I didn't think about that. Yeah, what I yeah. really liked is how, like, it it shows how this is, I feel like this is a very, like, human response in that Snape, um, you know, like you said, wanted to cover himself in the beginning and realized, um, like, this is really bad, and obviously he's partially at fault for it. And then as it goes on, he's trying to rationalize his own decision to, like, punish Harry, which is, yeah. I think, something we all do when we're trying to, like, rationalize something we struggle with internally. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it sounds like he's trying to also rationalize um, his treatment of James and the split yeah. that he had with Lily. Of course, it wasn't the Sectum Semper specifically that no. I, um, alienated Lily, um, but more just like the dark. Yeah, I, I struggled yeah. with that when I saw this comment at first, but I yeah. guess they're saying it's just like reminding him of his school days and that time in his life, etc. Right. All right, well, the last... Uh, response we're going to read comes from they've taken my wheezy and it says this discovery most likely just makes it easier for snape to continue being distant and cold and with dumbledore's days being numbered snape knows that 
Before long, he will have to help Harry Potter. So this discovery would also make this more difficult for Snape to do. Not only is Harry cheating, but Harry is receiving praise for Snape's work. Snape hates Harry. How frustrating must it be to know that the one person he hates is being praised for his work? So this makes it harder for Snape to work with Harry, yet might also show us just how strong Snape is. Even after this discovery, Snape is able to overcome hatred and help Harry. Be it for Harry's sake, Lily's sake, or simply the greater good, Snape still overcomes this hatred. And after this discovery, that must have taken strength. Ooh, I would disagree that he overcomes that hatred. <laughs> he, I, I think, yeah, overcomes is, a, yeah. is probably, maybe I would agree, taking it too far. But he certainly learns how to... Uh, I don't know what the word is. He kind of works around it. There you go. Because yes. There you go, yeah. <laughs> he sees the the purpose for working around it, but I definitely don't think he ever gets over that. True. I think he kind of <laughs> is bitter about it till the very, very end. Yep. I think mm-hmm. working around is a very well, a uh, good way to say it. Yes, I agree. Totally. <laughs> Actually, this makes me think a couple of chapters back um, in the chapter where Harry and Draco were like the only people in potions class and um, Harry made the potion with an extra like sprig of mint. I was thinking, wouldn't Slughorn recognize some of the little touches that Snape probably used when he was in potions class? Like I, I was always confused, like, why doesn't he pick up on the fact that he's Harry is essentially repeating what another remarkable potion student did in the past. Like, Meh, I've always thought Slughorn wasn't that observant. <laughs> I just say, old age. Does he just <laughs> like Harry a lot more than Snape? Or like... He also wants I reasons so. to like Harry, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's another reason, yeah. Yeah. Alright, well, um, three really great perspectives on Snape's motivations, and like I said, there are a lot of uh, a lot of other really great responses. So head over to our main site, and you can check those out. All right, and now we're going to get into our chapter discussion of chapter twenty-five. If I tell you to hide, will you do so? Yes. Chapter twenty-five. If I tell you to flee, will you obey? Yes. The seer overheard. If I tell you to leave me. And save yourself. You will do as I tell you. Yes, sir. All right. So this chapter is really a roller coaster of emotion. Uh, as Harry goes from his blissfulness new relationship with Ginny to enraged and excited, Harry's still learning the truth about the circumstances surrounding the prophecy. But his anger at Dumbledore is tempered by his desire to destroy Horcrux for the first time. We're building towards the climax of this book, and the tension mounts in the few short pages of this chapter. This is a big one. I forgot how, just how big this one is in not very long. Yeah, it was weird. So much happened in this chapter, and it was one of the shorter ones in the book. Yeah. Yeah. But the first point we're going to talk about is this romance as we open with that. So apologies to all the listeners who aren't invested in the shipping of this book. (laughs) But it's our first time really seeing both of these couples set off. Um, Obviously, we've got Harry and Ginny. Um, It starts out with a conversation to them. But we also really see Ron and Hermione kind of being paired together. Um, And I think Shauna had a point about this. 
Um, I just thought the tattoo conversation that the chapter opens with is fantastic. Um, <laughs> like, especially the fact that when Ginny uh, says that Ramilda Vane's asking about it, Harry's like, well, what did you tell her I had? And I was like, well, has Ginny seen Harry's bear chest? Like, I'm very confused. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was awkward. But um, also the comment about Ron and the pygmy puff tattoo and not saying where it was, I thought was one of the funniest moments in the entire series. <laughs> I, I love how uh, it's described that Hermione starts rolling on the floor because she's yeah. laughing so hard <laughs> at that. Like, that just cracks me up of all the things that Hermione would think is that funny. That mm-hmm. it would be that comment <laughs> that she would just lose it. Oh. All right. I wish this scene would have made it into the movie. Oh, it would have been, really it would have been fabulous. <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's so no development of that relationship in the movie, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another thing I noticed was just how Harry's happy- happiness is so apparent through the entire beginning of this chapter, just in the tone um, that it takes. It's it just did anyone else feel that it was just like lighter and kind of not fluffier, but it was. It's just... almost like there's nothing bad going on. It's like oh, we're normal. We're sitting on the floor talking. Yeah, and... well, 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 just hang it out. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really like there's just so much normalcy to this relationship and kind of the subtleness of it. Um, it, it got me thinking there's an interview or something out there where Joe says, uh, Harry's dream is just to have that happy, normal family. And I kind of thought the tone of this whole thing just kind of fit into that. And I really, I really like that. I don't know. It's so different from Harry's short lived relationship with Cho. That was confusion and, <laughs> Tears and <laughs> massive. Yeah, it, I think that's why it's worthwhile in just the previous chapter. Like Harry just briefly mentions that Jenny and Shell will be playing against each other. Oh in yeah, the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, and at this point, like Harry and Jenny have been spending quite a lot of time together in a friendly sort of capacity, um, and the best relationships that you can have are with the people that you're friends with prior to being interested in romantically. It just makes things normal yeah. that way. Definitely. All right. So from there, this moment is kind of broken up by Hermione um, bringing the newspaper or the the clipping with the picture of Eileen Prince. So my question is: Is it too convenient that Eileen Prince is Snape's mom? Yeah, I was thinking about yeah. this when I was reading. I'm just it seems so silly to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally agree. I was like, oh goodness. <laughs> because like I'm also like thinking about this, having not read ahead yet to remember everything. But like nothing else significant really happens with that connection, right? Other than Snape is her do- um her son, right? Yeah. Like she's not relevant I other than so. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, Joe's really, like, good at, like, red herrings, but this also obviously isn't, like, a red herring. It's just, like, some weird, like, connection that happens to, like, be important, sort of, later. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. trying to be a red herring, but it's kind of a pathetic attempt at a red herring, where it's like, oh, here, we're gonna flop this over here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I wonder, I wonder, though, if, if there was a, a plot, then maybe cut from that, because that... It's 
seems kind of out of place. Yeah. Well, have any of you looked at the really strange theories about um, Eileen Prince being Madame Pince? Oh my god, no. I'm so interested. Oh no. What? <laughs> yeah, I found this on, like, this article online a while ago, and I was just looking at it, and it's really strange, but apparently there are a lot of, um, like, behavioral parallels between Madame Pince and Snape, and she, like, she swoops down, she's yelling at the kids a lot, and um, every time there's a scene with her throughout the books this article that i read documented like every time there's a scene with her in the library it's followed up by a really snape heavy chapter so that their behaviors are juxtaposed to each other um apparently irma pince is an anagram for i'm a prince and yeah (laughs) it's really and it's really strange because it's like why would snape's mom be hidden at hogwarts but yeah yeah. The person who well, the person who wrote the article was saying that there really is no reason for Dumbledore and Snape to have the kind of bond that they do, which I feel like I want to get into that later. But um, they were saying that perhaps Dumbledore offered to uh, to take Snape's mother in to Hogwarts to protect her from the Death Eaters and that he was kind of holding that over Snape so that Snape was motivated by his love for his mother and so that even though she, Eileen Prince never really shows up again, she kind of does I don't know, it's really strange but it's an interesting theory I would have never thought about this. No, that's crazy I feel like Joe would have let us know surely by the Mm -hmm. end I would really hope so. I hope she doesn't come back now and be like, "Oh yeah, it's Snape's mom the whole time." Well, now if she if she hadn't planned it, because we know she listens to the show, right. exactly, she she's going to go back and say this explanation. <laughs> she's like, I'm that's a, a great idea. I never used that character again, and everyone was wondering where she was. So, <laughs> so now we have to consider if, in fact, that is Snape's mother, and the fact that she is certainly romantically involved with a certain Argus father. This was brought oh, up in the article too because they said there were oh, scenes. Wow. There's like scenes in Sorcerer's Stone where Filch is dressing Snape's wound on his leg, and oh why would God. Snape even trust <laughs> him that much? This person put a lot of thought into it. Wow! Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so okay, so going back to the Eileen Prince that we know is there. Um, do we know if? Uh, she was an accomplished potioner. Hermione says she's going to go. Um, she's going to go off and look for um, for like who Eileen Prince was and if she was um, in lists of famous potioners. And I think we can probably assume um, that the copy of Advanced Potion Making was probably hers before it was Snape's. So do we do we know? Does anyone know if we ever found that out? I don't think this ever comes to fruition. I don't think we know anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Couldn't remember. Alright, and now we get to kind of the main point of the chapter, which is this interaction with Trelawney and this revelation about Snape. So we finally find out that uh, the circumstances surrounding Trelawney's first real prediction that we have heard of And so my question was, um, we know that 
she was staying at the Hogshead, um, and that Aberforth is the one who kind of took Snape down when he found him at the door. So do we think Aberforth was keeping a lookout for Albus during this interview for anyone who might be causing trouble or... Well, but so I guess to, like, to consider this, don't, Albus didn't know that, didn't have any inkling this um, prophecy was going to happen, right? Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. what would be the reason for Aber- Aberforth keeping a lookout? Was it just think? like was just, it just a time where there were a lot of Death Eaters around mm-hmm. and they wanted to make sure that nobody was gonna, I don't know, bust in and try to take out Dumbledore? And it's a sketchy place. Yeah, <laughs> but that yeah. that would be my reasoning too. Is just because of the time period it was. Yeah. Okay, I guess it's, it's just still like interesting to me that like Albus like would spend his time there because they still have. Obviously not a very warm relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, things mm-hmm. are... Obviously they, like, are still in some ways working together because of the tunnel we learn about in Deathly Hallows. Um, well, no, actually, no. Because that's Neville. Because that tunnel. Yeah, that's Neville that creates that kind of... Yeah, so the, I was for some reason I was thinking there was other reasons they use it, but Dumbledore, Albus definitely doesn't use it. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they, I don't know. It's even weird that, to me now, thinking about it, Albus is even using this place for the interview. Well, yeah. I guess it's because that's where Trelawney is staying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's hard for her to get around, so... She's, <laughs> she's girl's got a few drunk. struggles. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's got, she's got a few issues there. But I, I wonder, though, if maybe Aberforth did know that his brother was doing some kind of business, if he was a, if he was a little bit more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. If he's paying more attention to the to the room that he knows that this interview is happening in. Um, Unless he just happened to walk by and saw this random greasy-haired, hook-nosed guy like leaning against the keyhole with his ear. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of Snape leaning against the keyhole, okay, how did he not realize that Lily could be a target of this and her family? I mean, he at least from a distance knew, right? Like, that Louie and James were, um, had, like, defied Voldemort and, like, probably knew they had a kid at some point. So how... But, but isn't, Did wouldn't he? he have to know that Harry was born as July, like, the end of July? Mm-hmm. That's My true. Guess is he, he probably doesn't probably know that. probably tons of people, yeah, having children, so... But, but, <laughs> to, but to, like, not completely discount it, I think you have a point, mm-hmm. because maybe he wouldn't pay so much attention to that as the... The, the, the people, those who have thrice defied Voldemort or whatever, yeah. he has to be like he has to be thinking a lot of the time. Just in general, he has to be worrying about Lily as someone who's oh, like definitely. constantly defying Voldemort. Is she mm-hmm. is she really safe? So yeah, I actually agree. I think he probably would have. I think it makes sense for him to have considered Lily. So that kind of brings us back to then: why is he suddenly so desperate? to protect her if he's the one who got her in this mess in the first place. Do we think maybe he was thinking more that, oh, finally he'll get rid of James? Did we? Th- do we think maybe he thought he would be able to convince Voldemort to spare Lily? I actually looked back at the uh, chapter in Deathly Hallows um, where we see all of Snape's memories, and he does, like, 
uh, he strikes a deal with Voldemort for whatever that's worth to spare Lily. Um, and obviously he didn't, and I don't think he would have anyway. But yeah, that's that's what he thinks. And he's probably feeling guilty, you know, even if he did realize that she was a possibility for someone for him to go after, you know, he might have been like, well, whatever, I'll get her out of my hair and then I won't have to think about her anymore. And then five minutes later, it's like, oh, but I love her. Wah. Yeah, <laughs> mm, that's a good point. So, Shauna, I think you had a couple more points about this as well, if you wanted to go over those. I did. I just thought logistically, if Trelawney's giving a prophecy and halfway through it, Snape falls into the room and then Aberforth busts in and is like, hey, this guy was listening. How does Dumbledore hear the second half of the prophecy? Or how does Snape not hear the second half of the prophecy? Because no one's going, pause, Trelawney, stop giving your prophecy and then come back and start it up again in two minutes when they've left. Oh, but can she pause? I, I would think not. I mean, <laughs> Because so, she should still... I don't know. I wonder then if Dumbledore used, like, the pensive to dive to back into it to hear it. the rest of it. Mm. But then... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's true. Say, but yeah, like you said, I'm sure Snape would hear some words, other words here or there or something else. Yeah. That would... Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it could be she was, I mean, she got distracted as well, falling out of the... And then went back into it? Mm Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. Or something, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I I just also think that um, there's been much talk on this show of incompetent Hogwarts teachers, and this woman (laughs) is clearly an alcoholic... She says she's been <laughs> hiding sherry bottles for years in the room of requirement. And everyone's okay with that. Like, and I'm like, how drunk is she when she's teaching teenagers? Like, I don't know. It's, it's very odd. I wonder if people That's can like tell. Sh- or if they think she's just like in she's some seer state. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She does kind of always behave as if she's drunk. So maybe oh, just yeah, kind of like. <laughs> That's why she never eats with anybody. She's, <laughs> she's too busy drunk. Yeah, she's like down in the kitchens with Winky. And mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she, she doesn't want them to know. <laughs> oh, they need like uh, interventions at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Hogwarts the teachers rehab. there are pretty terrible. <laughs> and I also oh. love how she describes hearing Draco as whooping. And they, yeah. they use yeah. the word whooping over and over again. So now every time I read that, like my husband and I have been reading um, chapters out loud to each other at night. And and now every time we read about Draco, I'm just going to be like, whoop. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, man. I don't know if you um, bring it up later, but like how Dumbledore actually reacts when oh. he tries to deal, tell him when... He, like, gets thrown off whenever he tell uh, Dumbledore just asks him if he's ready to go deal with the Horcrux, and Harry then, like, explodes and yeah. how Dumbledore responds. I because I get very angry at this part. Yeah. No, it's, it's so frustrating just to... Dumbledore just doesn't... He just shuts him down so yeah. many times, and it's so frustrating mm-hmm. to me that... that uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that he can't just be like, look, Harry... Here's mm-hmm. the deal. 
Yeah. Okay. You're going to have to get over your own personal prejudice. Like, well, I hope the (laughs) writing of this chapter was kind of like not Rowling's best writing. Like I felt that the appearance of a Horcrux at this point was another one of those, oh, look, it's convenient. We don't have to talk about Snape overhearing the prophecy because we have to go deal with a Horcrux. So, yeah, that's an interesting yeah. thought. Mm-hmm. I also, I was thinking I wasn't as impressed with the writing in other, as, in other places, but for a different reason. Because I wondered if she tried too hard to make Dumbledore seem at fault here for, like, being too irrational and not considering Harry's um, points. So yeah. that, like, it shows Dumbledore's flaws later. But the problem with that is, is that so many people still don't see Dumbledore as really, really problematic um, and still, like, idolize him in a lot of ways. And, like, I've made it very clear since, like, Sorcerer's Stone, ever since we started the reread, <laughs> Dumbledore is not a wonderful person yeah. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So He's got a few no, issues. But I, I do feel like he... I mentioned this on the um, forums, I think, last week. Not this past week, but the one before. I mean... I feel like he he's treating Harry like a parent who has a terminally ill child. How do you confront that person and say, hey, you've got a year left to live? You know, yeah. I think there are parents even in that situation who aren't upfront with their kids because they don't know how to, to tell them those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think maybe what was bothering me about this this whole situation is just, did we have to find out that everyone knew that Snape was the one who... I don't know. That just seems like an odd place logistically, like we were saying before. How would that have all worked? It just seems a little strange and mixed up, but... Well, he's there for a job interview as well. And then I was wondering, like, why is he interviewing for a job at Hogwarts at this point? Is it because he loves potions so much? I... Or... It's dark Voldemort, right? Is Voldemort there, like, trying to put him there as kind of a spy? I don't think he's actually there for an interview. I think he's just spying, and because the because the whole thing happened with him telling Voldemort the prophecy and going after Lily probably happened so soon after that, maybe he... That was kind of, like, the cover story that Trelawney heard, kind of, that he was looking for a mm-hmm. job interview where Dumbledore mm-hmm. just kind of hired him to look after him after this whole thing happened. Well, okay, but- and that brings up what I was saying before, which is the whole Snape and Dumbledore relationship. And I just don't understand. Oh, I agree. Wh- what mm-hmm. did Snape do to earn Dumbledore's trust to the point that he literally trusts him with his life at the end of this book. You know, what did he do? Love. Yeah, so I was thinking this. <laughs> who by the way was he loving? <laughs> yeah, and it's obviously something to show, like, he cares about Lily. Um, mm-hmm. But, God, I don't know. Like, what could he have showed him? His Patronus, maybe? But I feel like Dumbledore's smart yeah. enough to realize Even people then... can probably manipulate your yeah. Patronus if you're a strong enough wizard. And Well, I know... I know they say multiple time that, times that he's like, oh, he reformed. But it... Yeah, no, I'm kind of on the more Ron side, where it's like, yeah, there's... What are you gonna show to say that you did that? I mean... I mean, Dumbledore's always said... Love, like how, 
like all about love and everything like that. As much as it sounds so stupid, no offense, but Dumbledore's such I mean, a hippie. It, but again, yeah, again, it could be how much Snape loves Lily that but he's in like, the, all right, I'll see you'll do whatever you want. In the chapter girl. in Deathly Hallows, when Snape tells Dumbledore what happened, like Dumbledore is like, you are a selfish. Angel. Yeah. Like, he mm-hmm. essentially says it to him. You are a selfish coward because you put the life of this woman before the rest of her family. And that's awful of you. Um, so I feel like there's there had to have been something else. Um, and just thinking a lot, I was wondering if maybe Dumbledore and Snape had some kind of relationship when Snape was at Hogwarts, which seems weird, but at the same time, I can't really see Snape being buddy-buddy with Slughorn, who was his head of house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I can't see them sitting down um, and have tea together. And I, I could know. see Dumbledore taking pity, but Snape had no father figure, so I could see Dumbledore taking maybe a little bit of pity on him and maybe... Even if they weren't friendly or hanging out together, trying to keep an eye out for him and maybe having kind of a soft spot for him. Um, I I don't know, just because, like you were saying, that that interaction in the Prince's Tale where he they meet on that hill, he's so Dumbledore, so distant and cold, and I feel like had. Snape and Dumbledore had a good relationship when Snape was a student. Snape would have been less likely to go over to Voldemort because of, you know. Yeah, because he had someone Mm -hmm. on that side who was influencing him. But even if Dumbledore was just like, I'm going to keep an eye out for that kid. There's there's students that I teach that I don't have a great relationship with them, but I have a soft Mm -hmm. spot for them. Oh, yeah. You know, if they came to me with something, (laughs) you, you know, yeah, you'd be like, okay, that was really, really stupid and awful of you, but here's how we're going to fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just weird because I, I just, there's no other thing I can think of that would make it okay. <laughs> that would make Dumbledore forgive him and trust him so much. Yeah. It's just a convenient thing, you know, we need to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plot points, plot points. Or plot. Dumbledore looked deep in his eyes and he just knew. <laughs> and saw the good in his soul. <laughs> Yeah, this one needs to go up on Pottermore too. So if Joe is yeah. listening, uh, I guess when they revise, now that they're yeah, like done with really Pottermore. Though. Oh yeah, that just happened. <laughs> yeah, I had a just to go back to Snape, you know, peeking through the hole and everything. And I know you guys said you don't think he actually had an interview, but do you think possibly he could have had an interview for the dark arts position? Because we know. Tom Riddle wanted that position to help influence the children. Do you think he could have passed that? And maybe if Snape did have that somewhat connection with Dumbledore, he could get into the school and start manipulating kids? Well, I think Dumbledore knew Snape was a Death Eater. And I think Mm -hmm. he knew... I think he would have been wary to let him in, um, knowing his loyalty was to Voldemort and that it could perhaps yeah. be on Voldemort's order- orders. So I think I think Dumbledore knew and would have rejected that. Well, I, oh, I totally would agree he would have rejected it, but do you think, you know, he still might have tried to see if Snape could get that interview and possibly could get that job? Because at one point he thought maybe. he could. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's a, I mean, it's a possibility, I guess. Well, 
now that Harry has exploded in this roller coaster, um, <laughs> now he's off with Dumbledore to go destroy a Horcrux. But first, he runs back to the Gryffindor common room and he gives Ron and Hermione um, the last of his Felix and just kind of gives them a warning about Malfoy and Snape. So my question here is, how how far did Harry really think this potion would go? Um, maybe I'm just thinking of the movie where the the vial is tiny um, mm-hmm. and we do know Harry's had a little bit of it. So how many members of the DA do we maybe think Harry thought would show up or... Um, he really, was, he only says, like, Ron and Hermione and Ginny should take it, you know, if they should, I, yeah. he doesn't direct them to share it with anyone else. That's, that's what I'm wondering, is, is, was he just saying, this is only for the three of you, but see if you can get <laughs> other kids around here, too, yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely think he was pr- primarily focused on them and, like, round mm-hmm. up the DA to, like, help out if something well, happens. If, yeah, and I think if, maybe Neville and Luna would be associated yeah. with that, and that's probably as far as he would have thought. If Hermione and Ron, if they're, all having, <laughs> if they're all having good luck, like if the three of them are having good luck, then presumably the DA is going to have good luck. I don't know that's if it works point. or... It's a maybe. super vague potion, so... I mean, I guess it would be bad luck if one of your friends died. Yeah, like, I would have that would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of mentions of socks throughout the series of Harry Potter. It's true. It is so true. And it starts in Sorcerer's Stone when Dumbledore sees himself or he lies to Harry and says that he sees himself in the mirror of Erised in a pair of socks. When, you know, later in the series, we know that he probably sees himself with his family feeling loved. Um, and there are socks again in when Harry frees Dobby, he does it with a sock. Um, it's almost like he's bestowing his, you know, his love upon Dobby. And there's even a scene where Harry receives socks from the Dursleys as a Christmas present. And granted, they are used smelly old Vernon <laughs> socks. Um, but maybe that's kind of how they care about him in a used smelly kind of way. But there's still that family bond. So... Um, my family, I come from a family of English teachers and lovers, and we discuss these books at length. So uh, we just see socks as a really big symbol of love in the series. So I thought it was interesting that he gives Ron this pair of socks that has the Felix Felicis in it. And Ron's like, this is great, but what do I need socks for? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just kind of almost like Harry's blessing. Like, I care about the three of you. Um, I'm even going to sacrifice this small piece of myself, my own safety, for your success, you know, which echoes what he does later when he sacrifices his life in Deathly Hallows. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think That's it's a really cute. cool moment because, you know, he, like, I can't remember if it's Ron or Hermione that first says, like, why isn't Harry taking it as he goes off with Dumbledore, which is certainly the more obvious eminent danger. To everyone else, yeah. Harry thinks there are other things going on. But, like, he's so... Like, it makes sense. I'll be with Dumbledore. I'll be fine. But he's... He probably still, sh- you know, in theory, should have used it there. Assuming, like, if everyone else is right about Malfoy and Harry's wrong. Yeah. and But he's yeah. willing to, like, give it to them because he cares about them being safe more than his own immediate well-being. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of foreshadowing that in the end, he's he's going to do the right thing. He's always going to sacrifice himself for everyone that he cares about. Yeah. Because for love sure. and family is the most important thing to him. 
Yeah, and I think it's also really important to really drive home the point that Harry was right all yeah. along about uh-huh. what Malfoy and everyone was wrong, including Dumbledore. <laughs> and this right like really once. drives it home that like if Harry would have been wrong about this, if Harry wouldn't have followed his his gut on this, then you mm-hmm. know things could have gone really really badly. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Speaking of Harry going off, um, the chapter ends with. Harry and Dumbledore setting off to go find this Horcrux. Um, so Dumbledore gives Harry some very specific instructions. Uh, he tells him that if he instructs him to run or hide or save himself, Harry needs to follow them. But do we ha- think Harry would have really followed them? And did Dumbledore really expect him to stay within those in like the heat of a moment? Did he really think well, that would happen? <laughs> I think Dumbledore really did expect him to. Um, I think I don't he know wants Dumb- him to. I don't know if he expects mm-hmm. that he will. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Like, I wonder if Dumbledore really anticipate. No, I think he probably did really anticipate how bad it can get, or he wouldn't have asked those questions. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing that kind of comes from that conversation is... Harry says he's not afraid, but I don't know. It just seems odd to me that he would say he's not afraid at all. Um, could his fear kind of just be masked by all his other emotions at this moment of he's thinking about Malfoy and Snape and he's thinking about Trelawney and he's thinking about, well, he was earlier thinking about Ginny yeah. and how happy he was. Like, So do we think that Harry... I always... Sorry, go. No, no, no. I mean, I just always thought... I don't know, like, he didn't really see how much danger it actually is until, like, they actually arrived there. That's a good point. I don't know. That's what I, I would, mean. I would think he's that, always yeah. facing danger, so he's kind of like, eh, this is pretty cool, we're going to see it, this is going to be awesome, and doesn't really realize what they're walking into. So I, at this point, point, I don't really think he's afraid. And like you said, he has all these other emotions. He was just furious a second ago. Yeah, he just turned into like, emo Harry again, where he yeah, was screaming in, yeah. in caps lock mode, and I, that was the only reason I could think that. I'm like, why is this all just jammed together like crazy? Like, I'm angry, mm-hmm. oh wait, but now we're gonna go get a horcrux. Well, then I don't have to be angry. I don't know, there's a lot of emotions yeah. that are overlapping in this chapter. I'm just saying yes to everything. Yes, 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 I just wanna go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, why don't go do something stupid and reckless? Maybe it wasn't so smart for Dumbledore to, like, take him, considering, Mm -hmm. at least not right then, because, like, Dumbledore just kind of shuts down the conversation. He's like, that's all I'm going to say on it. Harry's clearly still very emotional about it, and we go into this, like, super dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. Do you still want to (laughs) go? Yeah. I mean, I guess Dumbledore thought maybe there was, it was time sensitive, so he didn't have to have really a choice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was a very good decision. He could have at least, like, tried to calm Harry down a little bit more to be like... Yeah. Then again, Harry's not the easiest to, like, rationalize True. with when it comes to Snape, so... It took him a year was... to get off caps lock, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's back on it, and thank goodness yeah. he didn't smash up the office again like he was considering. <laughs> yeah. And this is just me asking, but was it time sensitive? Did it have to be that night? Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I was kind of wondering. I guess we don't know yeah. what Dumbledore knew. I mean, I guess when yeah, we get okay. there, it's mm-hmm. not really time sensitive, though no, it would have been. 
there you know? is a time stamp on the entire frame of it you know like it, it's as urgent as you make it even though yeah. it's not mm-hmm. like this has to get done tonight and that's it yeah you know the sooner it gets done and especially for dumbledore being that he is facing death that's so true. soon mm-hmm. yeah 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 okay. that is he just should have we can wait an hour or two. Harry, have a biscuit potter. Yeah, right. <laughs> McGonagall could have taken care of. Could have made this so much safer. So much safer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and then with that, Harry and Dumbledore apparate off into the night, and we are moving on. And that's the end of the chapter. All right, so we have come up with this week's question of the week to throw out to all of you listeners out there. And we are doing a what-if question, and here it goes. Hermione suggests that Harry take the Felix Felicis himself as he prepares to set off with Dumbledore. But Harry leaves it with his friends for their safety. As we know, the Felix Felicis proves to be pretty useful whenever um, the attack happens inside Hogwarts. But what if... Harry had, in fact, taken Hermione's advice and taken the Felix Felicis with himself. How would that have possibly changed the outcome with Harry and Dumbledore with the Felix Felicis, and then with Hermione, Ron, Jenny, and the others at Hogwarts without it? So let us know what you think might have happened in this alternate universe to give us an idea of how important Harry's decision was. We would like to thank our guest, Shauna, for coming on the show today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you guys so much. I have to tell you, I only started listening to podcasts in general about a year ago. Um, And I listened to MuggleCast first, and I heard Eric plugging Alohomora. So at that time, (laughs) I decided to do an entire reread of the series. So I've been listening to this podcast almost every day for a year. I just caught up with where you guys are currently, like, last week. Oh, wow. That's dedication. But it's been so much fun, and, like, it's really, it's been great to take another look at the series, So it's, but it's going to be really weird and cool to hear myself on it (laughs) this week, and it's been really fun because I've been listening to you guys so much and talking back to the podcast as it airs anyway to actually be able to do this. So I'm actually kind of curious because you listen to so much of the show in such a short amount of time, relatively. (laughs) Like, yeah. what was it like to, like, hear such a, a, like, a long period of time in such a short span as far as, like, how the show changed over time? It it really, there wasn't a lot that was noticeable other than um, the hosts, than the hosts changing <laughs> yeah. off, which, like, made me really sad because I realized, like, a month or two ago I was tweeting at everyone and I was like, I want all the hosts to respond to me on Twitter. And like, I like, there was no Allison or Kristen at that time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, Oh wow. These people must be like, what are you talking about? I haven't been on that show for like a year. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's just been fantastic. Very cool. Well, awesome. we're happy that you got to join yeah. us. Oh yeah, definitely. Lots of fun. So if you would like to be on the show, just like Shauna, head over to our page at alohomora.mugglenet.com. If you have a set of simple headphones, Apple headphones, something like that, you're all set. No fancy equipment needed. And while you're there, you can find the link to download a ringtone, which has some pretty fun uh, ringtones that are... I just said ringtones twice. (laughs) What is wrong with me tonight? Uh, I'm not even correcting myself. I'm just going to keep going. You can download a ringtone for free on the website. 
<laughs> and if you just want to keep in contact with us, you can tweet us at AlohomoraMN. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. And check us out on Tumblr, MN Alohomora Podcast. Or give us a call and leave us a message at our Skype number, 206 Go Albus, which is 206 462 5287. Or on our website, you can send us a little owl at audioboom at alohomora.mugglenet.com. It's free. All you need is a microphone and keep it under 60 seconds, if you won't, don't mind. So we can play it on the show. Or else. <laughs> yes. and you can also head over to our store that has a lot of really great products including house shirts that are themed in the way of desk pig mandrake liberation front minerva is my home home girl and so many more great things and don't forget to check out our smartphone app which is available on this side of the pond and the other prices do vary but you can find um, transcripts bloopers alternate endings host vlogs and much much more all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode, and we'll end it before we make any more weird things as we try to close <laughs> out this show. I'm Caleb Graves. I'm Kristen Keyes. And I'm Allison Sigurd. Thank you for listening to episode 143 of Alohomora. Open the Dumbledore. Which staff member do they think is Snape's mother? <laughs> no, just it's it's Professor McGonagall. <laughs> oh my god, don't do that to me. She is also my homegirl, so <laughs> I would oh, Can you imagine? Oh my shatter. goodness. <laughs> well uh, he would be less of a jerk, probably. Oh my god. Lord. Can you imagine McGonagall? Slamming it down oh as God. a bomb. <laughs> That's my new favorite image. <laughs> what kind of what kind of mom would she even be? Like fabulous. I don't know. I can't yeah, even. Very stern, but awesome. I was gonna say very stern mom, but she let her hair down occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> Those um. children would be like the greatest kids in the world when they're. And I'm just thinking, like everyone. Like her kids' friends would be scared to come over. Yeah. Oh my God, your mom's gonna yell at me again. Uh,